welcome back to The Longcast, and it is episode 44, part two, with Neil Nelson, and we got to talk a bunch of interesting stuff, a lot of his history while he was out in Arizona, and they, we start off with that long story about him building a house with his dad and working on that, uh, which is really interesting and something that I've obviously never done, so it was awesome to hear hear him kind of go into those uh, into those details and how that all kind of formed itself and what it eventually became. And then we also talk about uh, where he is going and his new job that he's taking. So that's really exciting. All right, everybody, without further ado, here is episode 44, part two with Neil. Thank you, everybody. Enjoy. So my father has a studio in Tucson, Arizona. Okay. Uh, great artist by the name of Ron Nelson. And I can't say my father's name without saying my brother's name. I have one sibling. It's my brother. Mm-hmm. So my father's an artist. Older or younger? Older brother. Okay. Oh, so yeah. we're reversed, actually. I have a younger brother. Yeah. What's it like being the... Real quick, what's it like? I love I love having a brother. It's the best thing in the world. Well, my brother casts a big shadow. Okay. I think he was chief of medicine at his hospital at 32. Oh, wow. Yeah. So he, he casts a big shadow. And he was very humble about it. He talked to me one day. We didn't be bond until he was out of the house. Mm-hmm. And I was like in high school or something like that. Because okay. we're four years apart. Oh, okay. Almost I exactly. Think, uh, I might be... So I'm 24. Andre just... I'm six years with my brother. Yeah. He just turned... No. Five years. Okay. Something like that. Five years, yeah. Because he was born in 2000. But, yeah. yeah. So my brother... Um, is the firstborn. My father's an artist. His name is Ron Nelson. My yeah. brother's name is Nick Byron Nelson. You break <laughs> it down, it's Nick Byron Nelson. He titled my brother. Okay, so technically, he only has a first name. Yeah. My mother got That's licensed with my savage. name. That's pretty savage. That's pretty savage. Yeah. But my dad's just that kind of guy. So, That's so funny. Nick Byron Nelson. Oh, Nick my God. Nick Byron Nelson. I respect that. I respect yeah. that. Yeah. So he, and my brother was very humble about it, all this too. I mean, I remember when he got the job, he, he, mm-hmm. well, he, before he took it, he called me one day and he said, Neil, I'm thinking about taking this job. It's a lot more stress and responsibility. It's a little bit more pay, but it's a good position to take. Yeah. I'm like, well, are you happy where you are now? He's like, yes. And I said, well, would you be happy with this job? And he said, yes. And I said, is it a good opportunity? And he said, it's a great opportunity. Yeah. We talked a bit about more along those lines for a couple more minutes. Mm-hmm. And he said, okay, I think I'm going to take it. And he did take it. Yeah. And I didn't realize like three years later that he was talking about chief of medicine. Yeah. Yeah. Which is mostly like a paperwork job, I guess, these days. Mm-hmm. Um, Still a big deal, though. But he, even his own brother, he didn't want to like kind of brag about it because he knew yeah. that I was like making nothing working at a bike shop, doing mm-hmm. all this other stuff. And he just didn't want to, I guess, maybe gloat or he was just yeah. trying to think about it. So he's a great. He guy. wanted just genuine advice without he any of the story behind genuine it. Genuine advice, yeah. yeah. He wasn't trying to like flex in yeah. any type of way, which was great. Yeah. Normally, that's we're great just, to have. That's great to have. Yeah, I mean, we didn't get along at all like that when I was in middle school or high school. <laughs> I was just like a punching bag, pretty much. But, <laughs> but uh, yeah, he's he's grown up. Yeah, and um, it ways. My father has had a house in a studio in Tucson, mm-hmm. Arizona. The house had a long history before we even got to it. Okay, but there was a house there that was originally built around the 1890s in adobe do you know what adobe is uh it's like mud and straw yeah you make like bricks out of the earth and yeah. clay and mud and straw it kind of looks like all one piece sometimes it kind of looks like it's all one piece sometimes. Yep. Yeah, right. yeah yeah and that's when it's stuccoed over yeah. but adobe bricks are actually these bricks that are made kind of, of what was there and available and mm-hmm. it's actually really well insulating and it's great and some people are still making houses out of it today yeah yeah yeah, yeah. it's oh, really it's really uh, iconic of that it is of yeah. the southwest totally yep. yeah mm-hmm. yeah so there was an adobe house that was made probably in like 1800s we think you can't really know but it was old and all the piping was ceramic and there was no plumbing in it or anything else oh wow and then past that there was a lean-to put onto it 
And then past that, there was another lean-to put onto that lean-to. So you get like this roof that kind of slopes down, down, down. Oh, okay. It's like a hobbit hole. <laughs> so the middle of the house was made during the Great Depression, and it was terrible. It was just like crate wood thatched together temporarily to hold up stucco and chicken wire. Yeah. The house that was made on, on the end was like made in the 60s. And basically, we just tore out the entire middle section. We tore off the back section, left the walls, but raised the roof up three feet. Mm-hmm. It was a rebuild that we realized when we were done would have been easier to just push the whole thing over and then start it from scratch. <laughs> and my father, we, we stood there looking at it when we were done, and he just basically said that to me. But <laughs> you I, know that we could have saved a lot of time. We could have saved a lot of time <laughs> if we just pushed the thing over. Um, but we didn't. We just worked on it when we could. It was just weekends. And you find certain amounts of stamina for it where you'll just go at it for six months. And I remember oh, yeah. when I was tiling the bathroom, because my father being who he is, there was some Catholic high school, all girls high school that closed mm-hmm. and they were demoing the place and he went in because they were demoing and took all the tile. <laughs> and so I was just scraping. It was beautiful, like this celeste colored tile. Yeah. And I was, it was beautiful tile. And I think that part of him too, just, he was a, he has a master's in ceramics. So just like hated seeing this tile go to waste. Oh yeah. And so I just spent, nights for weeks just cleaning the old grout off this tile oh wow just so i could reuse it in my bathroom that i was building <laughs> and which we would supplement with some like other tiles to make it kind of more modern mm-hmm. but it was just that kind of thing we would just like find the energy to do these projects one at a time but it taught me a lot i mean i learned how to do solder pipe i learned out how to do electricity so oh, wow. i learned that's how a, to do stucco that's ta- a lot of stuff roof houses that type of thing and that comes really from I, you got to go back a couple generations because that kind of stuff is kind of passed down. Mm-hmm. Um, my grandfather was the same way. I mean, his house, I never realized as a kid, but it was one house with all these rooms slowly added onto it all around. Uh, that's it. the classic old school. Yeah, yeah. I mean, not quite like the Winchester, uh, Winchester mansion, right? With like it's yeah. 340 <laughs> rooms or whatever. But the original house had like two or three bedrooms and a, one ki- bathroom and a kitchen. Mm-hmm. And then slowly got like a bigger living room and an yeah. entryway and all that kind of stuff. And so my father got that too. And so his studio was like that. And uh, actually his studio, he said, there was another house in Tucson that got was being demoed. And he bought the house, not the land or the property, but the house, <laughs> the physical house. And so he owned the porch and he owned all the bricks and he owned the wood <laughs> and he would go and take them. And he said that the place was just some foreclosed building and like homeless people were living in it and it was hot in the summer. So they'd be on the porch, but then they tore down the porch or the wood to work on the roof of his studio. And then they would move into like the living room and then he would take out the bricks in the living room and then he would, they'd like move into the, one of the bedrooms and he would <laughs> just like kind of tear down this house slowly to build his studio. And not only that, but when he got the materials over to where his studio was, he would um, like pay his friends in beer to like help him stack, <laughs> to, like lay bricks down. And it would often, he said they would like do more, he would come the next morning and look at it and it would do more harm than good. And he had to like knock over everything <laughs> he did. Like, well, maybe I paid them too much in beer last night. <laughs> so we had a studio like that. And, and then I just learned, I, I mean, I'm more uh, precise lines, let's say, than he is. Yeah. So he gave me these foundational skills when I was in my late teens, early 20s, to, mm-hmm. and he taught me how to do these things. And so I did. I mean, I, I laid a lot of brick. I, I did all that other stuff, all the guts of the house, and it just taught me how to do it. And I'm actually doing it again because those kind of skills come back up again. Yeah, I have a friend who bought a house in downtown Philadelphia on 24th Street, mm-hmm. and somebody f- is just good at flipping houses, and they sold it to him. And he bought the house, so excited. First-time homeowner, 
Oh yeah. The only way, one. yeah, the only way he's able to afford it is because he's going to have two roommates oh, okay. that are living in the house with him. Because again, he's our age, yeah, and so it's hard to it's, it's hard to afford, to afford it, stuff. and he doesn't make much money. But with two roommates, he can uh, he can afford the mortgage. Mm-hmm. If it wasn't for the two roommates, he couldn't. But he bought this house. And about a week into it, suddenly he had water coming down from the ceiling and he had sewage in his walls and like lights were kind of funky. And he wanted his floors redone to like look like hardwood, which you can find a lot of Philadelphia homes. Mm -hmm. And he tore out the carpet and all the floors were rotting. And he's like, what do I do with this? And he hired a contractor to fix it. And the contractor... Super expensive. Super expensive. The contractor after eight weeks didn't do... Only worked on one floor in one room, but didn't even finish. Just put down the wood. And finally, he's That's like, a thing. Yeah, it's fi- like a we had a we had a we had to redo. We had to get a contractor to redo a bunch of stuff on our house because we had leaking. Yeah, yeah. So, so what happened with the leaking in this house was that all the stuff, all the plumbing in the house was cast iron, mm-hmm. and the person who went in to fix it just fixed it where the inspector could see, and everything was held together with rubber gaskets. <laughs> And if rubber gaskets are used properly, they're okay. Because especially yeah. if you go from cast iron to PVC, like you need a, a junction like that. Mm-hmm. But they just did it in the walls where the inspector could see, but they left the, it's a three-story house like a lot of row homes are. Mm-hmm. And um, they left the cast iron venting for all the plumbing still up in the walls. So because you had all these rubber gaskets with this, like 300 pounds of cast iron, it slowly just weighed down over time. Oh yeah, I can't even sustain and it. And it pushed everything apart. Oh. So suddenly all, of it, all the bathrooms upstairs that union was just under the bathroom. So every time someone was taking a shower, going to the bathroom, it was just flooding into his walls. All the plumbing pulled apart. All the hoses were laid in really, really lazily. And I just had to, so he asked me because he wanted to move into this place and his contractor wasn't doing anything. So now I'm like basically his contractor and I'm fixing his house <laughs> for him. We had to fix all the floors that were rotten. So somebody did a bad job. Well, somebody did a great job flipping the house because yeah. they didn't they didn't fix any of the rotted floors. They just covered them with they the carpet. They spent almost no money. Yeah, they just patched up the pieces of plumbing that were slightly broken. That's so grind. And then he got stuck there. Yeah, and it's if you paid a little bit more attention to it, which home inspectors are supposed to, which I'll get yeah. to in a second, then it's more obvious. Like he had a laundry room put in the back that he didn't put in, it was in the house already. Mm-hmm. But if you know the standard unit of a laundry, a washer dryer, which I do now is around 27 inches. <laughs> but if you know that, then this laundry room, you can't open either of the doors. There's not room for both the washer dryer and two doors oh, okay. in this room. There's also no vent for a dryer in the laundry room. There's a, which you need. Which you need. You can't just like, you can have it vent open air, which actually is not a bad idea. We're talking about energy conversion for winter. Mm-hmm. You can do a th- uh, basically, there's like a lint catch with water and your dryer can go to that and it warms your house. So oh, okay. It's not a bad thing. I did it even in the desert because winter gets really cold there. So yeah. I do that too and just warm my house by doing running the dryer, do a little laundry. Oh. Yeah, it's not a bad thing to do. Cool. Yeah, you can buy like the attachments. I made a big one out of a five-gallon bucket because I didn't want to change the water every week because mm-hmm. the one that you can buy commercially is really cheap and badly made and only holds like 10 ounces of water. But it's not a bad thing to do, but his house wasn't meant to do that, especially mm-hmm. in Philadelphia. So... Because it, it just gets so muggy and humid here. Yeah, especially now. Like yeah, you don't want to be venting your dryer in your house all year round. <laughs> so somebody did this, and if and they knew, and basically it all fell onto his home inspector. He complained to his home inspector because he, excuse me, because he, um, because the home inspector was on the, the past all this stuff, and he complained to some We're so sorry. We'll give you your deposit back or your fee for the inspection back, which is like $500. Just sign this. Oh, my God. And he signed it. And he basically signed something saying like he can't sue or pursue any damages because the way his mortgage and insurance worked, he couldn't get any of the, the plumbing stuff covered, only like the floors. Oh, man. 
And basically, he could have taken these inspectors for all they were worth, but he couldn't because he signed that piece of paper. Yeah. So I came in with my soft spot, and I've just been helping him out to fix yeah. his stuff. Good for you, man. And just because I just have, I just have the skills. Yeah. Luckily, luckily, somehow they stuck. You know. Yeah. But man, it's a pain. I mean, I remember. Um, I will say this: If you ever build a house with somebody, make sure that your view is the same. <laughs> yeah, you know, because like my father one day just chose the the tile for the floors and the rest of the house. He just chose like a linoleum tile randomly when we hadn't decided on something together, and he spent like a thousand dollars on these linoleum tiles. <laughs> so I just had to accept it and try to make it look as nice as I could. And so, you were like, "Dad, come on, this is just a bad on, idea." Dad. Yeah, but he he was it was great because he showed me what to do and he left it to me and he did a fair amount of work himself. Yeah, I mean he given his age at the time like he was probably i don't know he had me when he was later i think he had me at like 38 or something oh wow that's pretty late so yeah, yeah so he was in his if i was 20 he was 58 you mm-hmm. know so he he was that age and he was like helping me like dig out the basement because we redid the, the foundation oh yeah we geez. had to redo everything because the foundation was crumbling under the house so we we did we really would have had a better time if we had just redid pushed it over and redid, yeah because because <laughs> we when we had the house built we had to tear out a section of the foundation mm-hmm. because the house was two-story and that there was the top floor which was ground level and then if like the bedrooms and laundry room were below mm-hmm. uh below that and there was like a stairwell inside the house and so we had to redo those foundations and tear out a section and then reinforce around it and then pour it back in and then tear the next section. And oh, we had geez. to go all the way around the house and do that. And with everything, the sewer line, everything had to be redone. How long did it take overall? So I'm, it's hard to say. I mean, I think that I finally finished it when I had a girlfriend move in when I was in my mid-20s. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. How did it feel to finish it? It felt good. I mean, it was done enough for me. Yeah. because but it was stuff like window dressing like getting the window the window was in but i didn't have like the frame around it nice with like oh, okay. the trim and everything and like parts of the wall were just random paint colors that were just there yeah. i mean it wasn't finished it was done but it wasn't the finishing the touches was it wasn't polished the let's house say. the house was built the house was built the floors were in the walls were done i just needed to paint and like put down trim and that yeah. type of thing because you just like i said you burn out but when i first started the house i was living in just because, I mean, my big motivator then was that I didn't want to be living at home, but yeah. I had, I was paying for school, luckily, because of the scholarship and my bike flipping, yeah. I didn't have to take out any loans or anything oh, wow. for my undergrad, you, which is great. Yeah. And um, so I was just, out, but I wanted to not live at home. Mm-hmm. So I had this house when the project started, and I was just living in the living room of the home. <laughs> so the first thing I did was I, the, the studio itself had a bathroom, so I was just using that bathroom when I needed it. And then the first thing I finished in the house was the bathroom, aside from the tile, because so, that takes forever, so that I could use that and live in the house. Mm-hmm. So when I first had the house set up, it was just one re- big rectangular room. I went to like a Goodwill or something. I went to one that supports, I think, homeless veterans, because I want. I know the Goodwill is a for-profit company now, I think. Oh, okay. So I went to something, that, a Salvation Army. I went to something that was not a for-profit, although okay. I'm sure Goodwill st- still does good. I'm not going to assume. I hate to make those types of assumptions. Yeah. Because that just has to do with, like, tax lines. Mm-hmm. Um, but I went to some place, and I paid, like, $50, and I bought a chest of drawers that was, like, a... It's probably called a bureau. I don't know the definers for yeah. that type of thing, but it was like three feet I high. Don't, as you can see, I definitely don't know furniture. Yeah, there we go. It was like three feet high and eight feet wide, and it was my kitchen. I had like <laughs> grains in one, and like cere- and like cereal, and then like another one was like seasoning and soups and stuff, and then mm-hmm. like my pots and pans in the bottom drawer. And I used a wall plug-in um, electrical burner. 
mm-hmm. you know, and I had a toaster oven and I ate really well. I mean, it's amazing because like a lot of coffee houses and tea shops and stuff, they just have the same thing. They have a toaster oven and electrical burner and they just do yeah. a little bit of magic and they make some pretty good stuff. And I had a f- refrigerator that someone gave my dad that he had like outside of his house. They didn't really need like a secondary fridge, which some people have, you know? Yeah. And I just, I took that and I just had it there. So I had a fridge and I had my kitchen, which was really just a dresser and mm-hmm. I had my bed. And then I had two wash, I had two like, Making the best of it. Uh, yeah, I had two, really. two bins, a purple bin and a blue bin for washing dishes. One was dirty water, one was clean water. And then I'd do my laundry at my parents' house, and, and it was great. And that was when I was working at the bike shop, and I was happy, and I was just slowly working on this house. And stuff. Yeah. And I, it was bonding, too. I mean, um, it was hard. I mean, I've definitely worked a lot of jobs like that where you just, you have to be motivated because you do it for yourself. I mean, that house was for nobody yeah. but me. Although now other people have lived in it longer than I have. I lived there for a number of years, but it's just been rented out to friends or family since. Okay. Or somebody. Now there's somebody in the house that I've never met. Mm-hmm. But um, you do just Do your parents have, still live at the original house? My parents live not at that. So that's like a the studio and like a little house in okay. Tucson. They have their own house okay. in Tucson. And I've done plenty of projects there. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, yeah, like I my my father, I think, put me to work when I was like, eight i helped roof the house when the roof went bad just because you know he's like a, it's like a bonding thing you could play yeah. baseball or you could you could fix the roof you can yeah. put new shingles down <laughs> yeah so um yeah that, i guess that's where my experience like being handy yeah. comes from but um yeah so it it is what it is and i learned a lot and i've always it kind of like set me to do those things and i look at my brother speaking of and he never did that stuff with my dad yeah ever and he's kind of like envious in a way because I've had these bonding experiences. You had a lot of time with your dad. I did. I had a lot of time with my father. And I think one day, you know, the, the sad day that he passes away, because we all do, you know, yeah. it, he's going to kind of be jealous, I think, a little bit more. And like, yeah. I'm going to have to be the one to tell stories about all these times because he moved away when he was 18 or 19. I mean, he did, yeah, he's he, really young. He did a residency in maybe he was a little bit older than that. Maybe he was like 22. I think maybe when he was his undergrad or yeah. pre, because he went pre, he instantly went Usually into pre-med. My dad did residency. Yeah, well, he did. Uh, my dad's a vet. Oh, there we go. Mm-hmm. He he moved out of the house when he was eighteen or nineteen. Okay. Still in Tucson because he went to the University of Arizona as well. It's a great yeah. school. It's and pretty then, much moving out. Yeah. Yeah, and then he moved. He went to Virginia to do his under his his residency, and then he's been a doctor in Portland ever since. Oh wow! So he but very he never, nice city I hear. Portland. Yeah, I hear it's super nice. It's it's quite literally nice and that you like go into a crosswalk and cars stop <laughs> yeah you don't get that here here you get <laughs> someone that lays on their horn like today i was driving to work and i had somebody who very aggressively cut me off they just shoved the nose of their car in front of me like i was yeah. waiting in line to turn and they just shoved the nose of their car in front of me so that they were blocking me so they would go ahead yeah and at first i was really angry about it and i was like i want something bad like karma do something bad. And I was like, tone, and I was like, you know what, tone it down. It's like, I hope that person has a really awkward fart today. <laughs> like they're talking to their boss in their elevator and they're like, oh, this one's not going to make noise. And they just like let it out slow and, and silently. Just and then it just, but yeah, they let it out slow and silent. And they're like, okay, got away with it. But then like the smell hits Ooh. and the bo- they realize because like the boss is there and then the boss knows it wasn't them and they just have to like deal with it for, until the elevator goes to the floor they're going on. Yeah. It's like, I want something like that to happen that day. <laughs> Nothing really bad, but nothing yeah. really bad, but something like karma, karma equal to like aggressively cutting me off, you know, <laughs> that's nothing funny because I feel like people jump to like, I hope that guy gets struck by lightning or like, yeah. you know, 
does something. That's off, what we should but. do from now on. I hope next time you're with your boss, you just rip a nice silent one. A silent one, but like just like you're stuck there, you know, yeah. stuck in an elevator Those or like bad ones in a too. meeting. Like, <laughs> go to a job interview, you know? oh. and you're like just talking to the guy, like leaning over, and you just like let one out, and you got to stay there. And I pretend. thought I got away with it, and you did not. You did. Get away you with did it. not get away with it. No, yeah, you're right. The silent one, and it hits you too. It hits you too, and you're like, oh no, oh my I'm God. in trouble. <laughs> <laughs> but you just gotta, you know, pretend, right? Pretend yeah. like nothing happened. Mm-hmm. I think that's like the uh, appropriate thing to do in situations like that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. Now, well, but now he, he's in Portland and he's been there forever. My brother? Yeah. Yeah, my brother's in Portland. Uh, I just had a, uh, now I am an uncle. Oh, wow. Congratulations. Thank you. Yeah, my brother just had a son, Wyatt, who I helped decide the name on, which freaks me out every time I say his <laughs> name, Wyatt. I like to just call him my nibbling, which is a word that I love. <laughs> nibbling. Yeah, nibbling it just is a gender neutral term for a niece or nephew. <laughs> so my nib- so if you like you've got you've got two, a brother and a sister. Yeah. So one day if they have kids and like there's a Christmas thing and you like hanging out with your niece and nephews and like oh, I'm going to hang out with my nibblings. <laughs> the shorter way to say it. But it's, nibbling it, is kind of a funny it's an it's, it's such a it's funny like a word. Funny oh, word. it's a great word. You know, it's like pancake or pickle. It's just a funny yeah. word to say. And it sounded really weird to me and I loved saying it for a long time and I'm like, well, a gender neutral term for a brother or a sister is a sibling Mm -hmm. so it's not that weird of a word yeah yeah it sounds better than sibling though it sounds oh it's definitely it's nibbling it just sounds like you're eating something like yeah yeah. delectable really quickly and small (laughs) and little small bites yeah (laughs) that one's funny yeah uh so they now have that child and so my parents are getting older like my dad yeah at 58 was digging with a pickaxe and in the in the (laughs) tucson heat but now he's like 70 something oh wow i should know that i'm a bad i'm terrible at birthdays (laughs) He's 70-ish, and he, so he wants to, like, he's slowing down. And mm-hmm. he's, they spend now their summers, the second year they spent their summers in Portland to get away from the Tucson heat. Yeah. Because the world is getting hotter, believe it or not. Yeah. And um, they want to be there with with their grandchild, mm-hmm. and probably more than the parents like, because they want to do their own thing. Yeah. And um, they get away from the heat and have a nice little trip, and they'll come back to mm-hmm. Tucson. Because it's nice to be in Tucson. I mean, there's something called Snowbirds. Where you get people who go in winter to Arizona and Tucson. Oh, okay. Because it can be like 73 in the middle of <laughs> January, you yeah. know? And it's just really nice. You can lay out in shorts. I mean, it gets cold there, though. Like, you can get rare. It's rare, but you can get negatives. Mm-hmm. I mean, I think... Well, it's co- kind of like near the desert, right? It's in... It is the desert. Yeah. yeah Saguaro's so and that kind of stuff. Yeah. But I yeah. think the coldest I've had is like... I think one time it got down to nine or eight okay. or oh, something. Oh, that's nice. Yeah. I love that. Oh, it's so cold. Yeah, it's the best. Yeah. I mean, I like the cold too, but that's pretty dang cold. I love cold. the cold. I love yeah. the cold. <laughs> I mean, you're in Philadelphia. Maybe you should just like, a podcast you can do from anywhere, right? You could just like yeah. move to Siberia and do a podcast. Maybe I'll do it one day. Just, I've thought about doing a like a camping podcast where I go and I just do my thoughts. Oh. Camping, like I go by myself. But yeah. Maybe I'll do one in the cold where I'll go in like a cold pool or something. Cold pool. Yeah. There was some guy who did a documentary because he wanted to do a documentary in the coldest place on earth. Mm-hmm. And he went outside to like pee and came back and his nose was turning black just from going out to pee once or something. It's like negative 40 C or something crazy. Yeah. And uh, I mean, you can. I think that there's some of those places in Siberia too where like they don't close school unless it's like negative 30 outside. Just because the average is like whatever. (laughs) Although uh, if I mention Siberia, I have to say it's like one thing that I thought is the most interesting thing about Siberia is that they have the worst mosquitoes of anywhere on earth. Really? Yeah. Like you think it'd be like the swamps of somewhere. Like Louisiana or Louisiana something. Louisiana or something. Yeah. Like someplace that there's always water and it's always hot. And yeah. it's like these or they can know, just breed alligators. All the time. And, yeah. Or the jungles of India <laughs> or Africa or something. But apparently Siberian summers have the worst mosquitoes 
ever. Worse than any place. You get the giant ones the size of a quarter. They're like indestructible and you smack Ooh. them. And then they'll just like drop three a foot and then like get up and fly again. And you get like Ugh. these t- teeny tiny ones that are uh, kamikazes and they'll just like hit you in the eye just to <laughs> piss you off. And uh, yeah. I'm going in, man. I'm going, I'm going for it. I'm going to get some blood. <laughs> and uh, apparently they're just the worst ever. And, and uh, yeah, I mean, there was a great documentary about uh, fur trappers okay in um siberia and how yeah uh russia trained these people because they wanted to like expand and mm-hmm. they trained these people to be fur trappers and they just dropped them from a helicopter in the middle of nowhere with like maybe some supplies to get through a week and they yeah. have to sur- they have to survive off that and then they've been trained so they have to like build a shelter and survive Jeez. the rest of the time on their own that's and some then, russian that's russian oh business. yeah <laughs> yeah there we go and then they have to like maybe later they'll so like they'll get a stove delivered so they've got like a cast iron stove but mm-hmm. maybe they said they'd be there in a month and it was like three months that type of thing, <laughs> and the main guy that had followed he said they dropped off me and my partner and my partner didn't make it and that's all the only way he described it telling the story is like my partner didn't make it, yeah like it was probably this harrowing adventure and like they were yeah. both just trying to survive and like especially too like and, their culture too like they're yeah they're very rigid and well I mean I don't know like I don't know that many people but like the it seems like that that would be the story how he would tell the story my partner didn't make it he didn't make it that's it yeah it was (laughs) it was really interesting it was it was beautifully done too these people basically survive off traps Mm -hmm. um their skidoos and their dogs like dogs are a huge part of fur trapping yeah they're a huge part of it which i didn't realize yeah they're just used as a tool Mm -hmm. to the extreme yeah but it's just you know it's interesting to see any kind of culture like that that's different than yours. But it's also sad. I mean, there's natives of Siberia mm-hmm. and stuff that are just like the native peoples, and they're treated so badly. I mean, yeah. every I think culture has their own issues with the native population being pushed out for yeah. whatever empire arises. But um, yeah, yeah. This this podcast really does go all over the place. I'm talking about documentaries I watched I told like you. nine years ago. I told you. Yeah, <laughs> that's what I love. Yeah. Boris was like about building a house. Yeah, we yeah. Did, we did that. It's good. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, I've had people call me a Renaissance man. Yeah, we. I was actually thinking about we this. Were, we were supposed. To, we thought about maybe calling this podcast the Renaissance Man. The Renaissance. If man. you want to like ever have a podcast that just has one topic you stick to. Yeah, um, but you know, you have a lot of knowledge and information, right? Uh, and just on a lot of different topics, but not just that. Like, you've built a house. Like, you know everything about bikes, and you do your own mechanic work and stuff. Yeah, I do work on my old truck. My truck, Bruce. Uh, shout out to Bruce. Um, the Bruce, homie. Yeah, the homie. He's moved a lot of people, let me tell you. <laughs> oh, it's a, you got a truck, man. You're moving everybody. Yeah, I got a truck. I'm moving everybody. Yeah. When I had the... Uh, I, I got the family car when, I, when my brother left mm-hmm. for Virginia. So I was like, I don't know, 21 or something like that. <laughs> or maybe I was like 9, 20, 19, I don't know. But I got the family car as like the second hand-me-down because I went to the older brother first. And it was a Chevy Lumina. And I think it was like a 95. I don't remember. It was blue because they're all blue. Mm-hmm. And I was, I've always been into like naming my things. Like my bike is named Ichabod. It's like this all black bike. Yeah. It's kind of beat up. My, uh, my car is the cardboard box with the, no D. There you go. With no D. Cardboard the, box. The cardboard box. Yeah. <laughs> so I named the car Bella. Yeah. And then it had all of these problems. And I'm like, <laughs> okay, okay. You're more of a Bruce. I fixed it. <laughs> fixed the problems. Said, okay, okay. You're more of a Bruce. And then there were no more problems for a while. <laughs> and it worked out. And then I had to, I got rid of the car one day because I got the truck, which was my grandfather's truck. Mm-hmm. My father didn't want it because it just made him sad to yeah. think about driving his father's truck around. Yeah, and my imagine. father, honestly, is terrible on vehicles. Like, he'll change the oil, like, every three years. And he's like, maybe I should change the oil. But he <laughs> he rides his bike most days, so it makes sense that he kind of does that thing. But he yeah. just, like, leaves the windows down. They sun rot. 
I remember once I wanted to be nice for Father's Day, and he was my father was out of town with my mother for like a three day trip, mm-hmm. and I was like, okay, I was house sitting, I was like, okay, I'm gonna paint the truck because he just leaves it, never washes it, and yeah. like it went through the paint, through like that base coat that's white, and it was like starting to rust. Yeah. I'm, like, I'm gonna paint this truck, and I bought all this automotive paint. I spent three days just sanding and taping and priming, and oh, like wow. did a great job. Looked like a brand new truck. Didn't have any dents or anything, so it really did the job. Yeah. And I mean, as, as well as I could with my okay painting skills. Because yeah. I, when I used to flip bikes, I used to paint a lot of bikes too. Oh, okay. So a lot of the bikes that I would get were really crappy and I would get automotive paint. And oh. the trick so to any paint... had like a... The, it's the same idea, just on a much bigger scale. Yeah. And the trick to any paint job is like just sand and paint and sand and paint and sand and paint. You can pretty much make even like the cheapest paints look really good if you just sand and paint and sand and paint. You get off the lumps, you make it smooth, you do a gloss mm-hmm. coat. Like you can... It's just time. You know, like yeah. anything that you find to do it well, it just takes time. Anyway, I spent three days painting this truck and then he came back. And I waited, and I was like, and he didn't say anything. <laughs> Another day went by, I didn't say anything. And one day, I'm like, Dad, did you notice the truck? And he's like, is something wrong with the truck? And I was like, no, no, I, no it's I, better. I painted it for you. And he went, he went, oh. And then he just nodded his head and smiled. I'm like, not even words. He just nodded at me. Like, oh, mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I'm like, ah, I thought it was this big thing. But the thing is that it wasn't that big of a gift to him because he didn't care because it was just a tool like yeah. anything else, you know? If I'd given him like an old... Uh, Bing Crosby record or something or like an original like if I gave him like the mouthpiece from Louis Armstrong's Armstrong's <laughs> trumpet he would have freaked out yeah but like painting his truck and like doing all that work and like spending like hundreds of dollars on paint he's like ah whatever I don't care it's just a tool MBD no big deal yeah yeah that's my father mm-hmm. yeah anyhow yeah. but yeah the thing is about being a renaissance man as many people have called me is like it's great and it sounds like I don't know I hate being called it in a way because it just sounds pretentious to me yeah. like i can do everything yeah. really like you get a contractor out there who works on his car mm-hmm. like that's basically what i am right like i don't have that many i've just like i've done enough mechanical stuff that i kind of like I you can, can really figure, you can piece it together i can figure it out yeah and yeah. i've had to do it and i've done it and i, I do an okay job like ski techs like I, I run not only the bike shop but the ski shop and yeah. so i didn't do that's it a lot before. of stuff too yeah and i didn't do it before i started working there but now i have the most knowledge not just be, i mean i'm there 40 hours a week pretty much but also i was a sculptor so i've worked with fiberglass i've worked with epoxies i've worked yeah. with metals i know how to mig tig oxycetylene weld mm-hmm. like steel aluminum whatever so i just had the skill set that i could just do that like yeah. it's like how do you do it for this process oh that's how you do it and i passed that knowledge on but in this modern age like i don't think it's a good thing to be one as much yeah, as yeah we were to, talking about this yeah as much as it, meant to, it used to be good to, to know how to do a lot of to, things. Yeah, because you could be self-sufficient. I mean, imagine before Google, before all this wealth of no- YouTube videos, before mm-hmm. this wealth of knowledge. If you didn't know how to do something, what would you do? You'd have to hire somebody. Yeah. You'd have to like just try to figure it out mm-hmm. and like probably botch it because you don't know what you're doing. You'd have to, like get a book, yeah. go to the library. And so it meant something, I think, 50 years ago. It was yeah. like, great if you knew how to do everything because you could just help out everybody. Yeah. Or you could, I guess, if you didn't want to help charge everybody. But yeah, you could, just like, hand it over to Neil. Neil knows, yeah, Neil take, knows how to do take it. Take care of your own things. But now, I think that it doesn't. it's not as good as being really good at one thing. Yeah. You know? It depends, I think. If like, if you're really trying to, I don't know, sell something or something like that, it's really good to be good at one thing, I yeah. think. If, uh, but if you just enjoy doing work and like, like kind of like, what you're saying, building a house, like just kind of getting into the nitty gritty and just enjoying that stuff. Like that's, it's more of an enjoyment for the work as a process and doing the process because all these things take time, like you said. They all do take time. Yeah. Yeah. And, and I should say that my father's one line would be, there's nothing that teaches you how to do stuff like being poor. 
you know? Oh, yeah. Like, if you don't know, if you can't afford to pay someone to do it, then you got to do it yourself. Yeah. Yeah. Not that maybe my father couldn't have afforded different people to do these projects, but he had so, we had so many things going on at once that, yeah. like, if he wanted, like, to get his truck worked on and the house, the roof redone, it would have been like, expensive. the house worked on and, like, all this kind of stuff, he just couldn't do it, you know? Mm-hmm. And also, like, buy more art supplies. But because he really, I mean, I get a lot of it from him. I mean, he, nowadays you get people that take classes at school that are, I mean, shop, at, what, back in the day, everyone took a shop class. Yeah. Like that was just the thing. Everyone took a shop class. So his day, like people know how to work on cars and stuff. And I don't mm-hmm. know that he's the best mechanic, but. My he, shop class was all computers. <laughs> yeah, there you go. Like they didn't have computer classes back yeah. when he was in high school. And so that's part of it that everyone used to take those kind of classes. Everyone used to work on their own stuff. Like mm-hmm. he has a master's in ceramics, so he makes a lot of ceramics, but he did neon. He does fiberglass. He does these things he calls petroglyphs that mm-hmm. are made out of cast paper and they look like a piece of rock cut out of the wall with like oh, wow. paintings on them. He does glass blowing. Like, and yeah. because of him, I've done some glass blowing. I've done some neon. I've done some of that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. Not any of it as good as he does it. But, um, yeah, I mean, he's just always did that kind of stuff, and he kind of just passed that torch. But I guess, you know, we brought up this kind of contrast between me and my brother. Yeah. It's interesting, because my brother, like, never did any of that. Yeah. I think he made me made one painting, or, like, maybe did, like, tried glass eh, one not time. not my thing. Yeah, I mean, he was focused. Like, he knew that he wanted to go into medicine and be a doctor, and so he yeah. did that, and he's been successful, which is why he now has a nice house, and yeah. a wife, and a child, and a career, and he's happy, and he was... Yeah. chief medicine i've wandered i've worked all these odd jobs yeah i've done all these things and maybe i because of it i've become i've become me and I, i've got this ability to do all these little things but yeah. i haven't been successful in the way that some people would measure success yeah. because i haven't focused that's what i was trying to get at is that it's really how you measure your success how do you, if you're the one thing i really try not to do is i try not to compare myself or i try to if i do compare myself like i try to do it very base like these are the parallels and this is why I compare myself, but I don't try to compare the result. You know what I mean? Like, so this show, a lot of people would say, and I would say myself is a lot like Rogan show, right? Where I just have someone on and we kind of just talk about whatever. A little bit less drugs and alcohol, but yeah, Yeah, definitely less of that. And, um, yeah, so we just kind of come on and talk about whatever. But the thing is, is that, I don't know. I like doing it. It's kind of my thing. You know what I mean? Because you like quotes and you brought them up a couple of times, I'll give you a quote. And one is, uh, comparison is the joy of theft, or the theft of joy. Comparison yeah. is the theft. Of and joy. It really is. Yeah, because you, if you compare yourself, you're generally only going to do it to people who have it better than you yeah. or are luckier than you. Yeah. I say, if you have to compare yourself, go both ways. Yeah. I mean, you're here. You're in the U.S. You've got this room of yours. Yeah. You've got the ability to make this podcast. There are people who will never stand on carpet. Maybe you know, who never have a house. Running water. Don't have running water. They are one of the masses that nobody cares about. They're abandoned. Yeah. They're just stuck in some yeah. situation, you know, like no formal education, yeah. none of that. You I know? do that. And then um, I try to compare both ways when it comes to results, like say, uh, like for the podcast, like if I look at numbers or say with tennis, if I look at my matches, yeah, I think in that aspect, like competition type aspect, what I try really hard to do is compare yourself to yourself. You know what I mean? Just your own results and just live in that bubble of what are your own results because then you can look at yourself and say oh i've improved here what can i work on instead of saying like if i spend the whole time and i go oh like this podcast if i look at rogan show and i go oh well he has all these people well, he does it all like this like he does this he does this it could be degrading to myself you know what i mean because i'm not him you know what i mean like i'm me you're you and you'll have your own spin yep. you know i mean that's did, the thing he he did and that's how you find out who you are M- yeah he did fear factor and mma but you yeah. do tennis and and video games video and, games and yeah. you know he doesn't probably play smash brothers or if he does it's just because someone's stoned and hands him a switch <laughs> you know but 
I think comparison to yourself too can be detrimental. Yeah. It, 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 it's both, it's the same where you, you just have to look of, at it as like a positive way. You have to go both ways. Yeah. yeah. I mean, it's not just about, I mean, it could be being an optimistic about it in general, yeah. but I, one of my absolute best friends, mm-hmm. um, if not currently my best friend, is having an issue now where they just, they're not where they used to be. Yeah. I think like anxiety and depression are really getting more common with our generation. Yeah. And they're having issues where they used to be so confident in going out and being able to conquer the world and being proud. And they yeah. were like a champion of everything. Mm-hmm. And now they have a hard time leaving the house some yeah. days just because of all the things that could I've go wrong. There. And yeah. And it's just a very real thing. Yeah. And see that this is where I think that the aspect of that thought process is then you have to add growth to that. And when you add it and you look at it from a growth perspective and you compare yourself and just look at it as growth and understand that even steps backwards are growth yeah. because it's just the journey. And that's where you get the Renaissance man stuff where it's like, I just enjoy doing the work for the work because this is just work. Right. Like that, I'm not attached to whatever ends up happening. You know what I mean? I will do my best here at this moment. And if I'm successful, I'm successful. If I'm not, I'm not. That's that's what something that I've really worked on. But sorry to cut you off. Yeah. No, no, it's fine. No, yeah. it's a conversation. I have to be a good listener. Yeah. Too, you know? <laughs> um, yeah. That's my cat. Oh, he's a really well-trained cat. He's a he's really well socialized. Should we let him in? Should, or just be it's too, fine. Too he'll he'll, he'll just meow. Yeah. Okay. So, but in their situation, like, it, they are comparing to where they were before. Yeah. And see, they're that's unhappy. The, but I think that a lot of the issues that they're having now were buried. And yeah, that's finally what happens, yeah. they're finally like confronting these feelings that have been there, mm-hmm. and they can't do that comparison because if they compare to who they were oh yeah there's because you have to be at a certain point in your life to where you can do it well it's also like they're idealizing who they were in the past they're not taking into account like struggles they had or Mm -hmm. things that they're having issues with and or and you have to go both ways with it you know you can't it's like looking back with rose-colored glasses to who they were or where you could be because if you think about where you could be Mm -hmm. and if you take steps towards it great like you should do that you should take steps towards it but sometimes you can just if you think you're not good if you're looking too far ahead you're like why am i not there now yeah why am i not good enough why can't i be there mm-hmm. is a lot of, sometimes it is just luck yeah sometimes something happens yeah. and someone just like happens to hire the other person even though that you yeah. deserve it more and the type of thing and, and then there's another important aspect which is i still think good about this whole renaissance man stuff okay i'm sorry patience I'll, I'll, you keep pulling me back there i'm gonna go there we're gonna yeah no say, no no say, no you don't have to go there it's just um the reason i bring it up is because i do think it's good to be able to do those things and i think there's a lot of aspects you can take from it but yeah it's the patience like the, the patience is so i think a lot of people we talked about this in the beginning too is people want things now and they do yeah yeah and you also i mean if you want something done right do it yourself yeah you can control how everything is done mm-hmm. you can't be responsible for or like you can't you can't get you're going to be generally less mad at the quality of the work because you did it so you yeah. have to be mad at yourself you know it's like yeah this looks like crap well i did it so yeah. i got to accept you did it. it to yourself yeah <laughs> And it's it's nice. I mean, you're, but you're. That's a good point that you had about the dem- uh, wanting it instantly, right? Like yeah. if you had a, if I had hired a contractor, depending where I am and how the quality of the contractor is, yeah, uh, I might have to wait three, six weeks or whatever, for, versus just doing it myself. Yeah, you know, like I cut my own hair. Yeah, I just got bored one you did night. A pretty good job. Well, thank you. I got bored one night in. I didn't get bored. I got like frustrated with my hair being long one night in college or high school, mm-hmm. and I just cut it, and then I just kept it up. And now, like, I haven't gone to a barber in a long time. Yeah. And so I'm pretty good at doing the fade, mm-hmm. having, like, that, yeah, average, that doesn't look bad. average white man, like, you know, yeah. fade from sh- short to, like, a little bit longer on top. Mm-hmm. And so, I don't know. I just, sometimes it is impatience. You're right. Yeah. That makes you want to do that kind of stuff. Like, yeah. I don't know. I think that 
the house definitely was a trial on my patients. Yeah. Just because it oh, took yeah. so long to do. I can imagine, yeah. And you just go up through ups and downs. But um, yeah, it's nice to learn and to be able to do those types of things yeah. and contribute. I mean, I honestly like, I'm, I'm helping my friend and he is compensating me for it somewhat. Like not near what he would pay a contractor. Yeah. So like some of it comes from my sympathy. Yeah. Helping out the guy, you know, pulling on my heartstrings for his bad situation. Mm-hmm. But uh, it's nice to be able to give and support and help people in that way. And yeah. if if everyone kind of like did that a little bit more, um, then it would I think it'd be a better place. You know, yeah. if everyone stopped thinking so much about themselves and trying to like mm-hmm. just kind of help those around them. Yeah. You know, like I try. Um, there's a route on my way, and there's almost always somebody on the corner. Yeah. And I've made it a thing now. Like I always want to have like an energy bar. Yeah. Not necessarily like a caffeinated energy bar, but like a trail mix bar, or a piece yeah. of jerky, or like a piece of fruit. And I always try to have something because there's always somebody almost on that corner on the way home. Yeah. And I could give them a dollar, but I don't know what they're going to spend a dollar on, yeah. you know, because some of those people are just like swindlers. Yeah. But I can also be like, hey, man, do you want this pear or something? And sometimes yeah. I'll be like, no, I'm good. Yeah. But sometimes like, oh, my God, thank you so much yeah. for this piece of food. I needed food. Yeah, like I needed food. And that, that sustains them. And that gives them like, are they begging for food? Yeah, well, I'm going to cut out that middleman of you having a dollar and getting like something yeah. cheap from the gas stations, ultra processed. And like, here's yeah. a, here's a pear or or here's a, a piece of jerky or here's this bar like i gave a guy a peanut butter sandwich and i was like you want peanut butter sandwich she's like hell yeah i want a peanut butter sandwich yeah. and i was like hey you're the guy i gave the jerky to he's like oh that jerky was bomb <laughs> yeah i was like rosemary something i was like yeah, I'll, I'll get another one if i see you <laughs> yeah yeah oh, that's nice so it just made his day like just actually yeah. giving him the food but sometimes you do get those people like i remember it was a booming business to beg on corners in la for a while like those guys were mm-hmm. making like two hundred thousand dollars a year just jeez yeah there was a guy that got caught because he had a bmw and he would park it behind some biz- building yeah you're just like par- yeah you're just and he would put on like God. tattered clothes and you'd go out and beg and he was like i make five hundred dollars in three hours on this corner because like these people will just give me 20s that's some crazy. people will just give me 20s that's yeah. insane yeah because you, you don't know you know yeah no you don't know but that's which is awful like it's just take, terrible yeah just taking off the distrust and there are charities that do that type of thing too like there are yeah. and like i think there's like some there's some kind of I don't know if this is true, so I hate to say that it is, but there's there's yellow clothing drop boxes. Mm-hmm. I've heard are just like a, a cult-owned thing, and they just take all those clothes and sell them, and they just run the organization. But yeah. they're, they're non-profits, and they're probably profits, and they're these companies that just take a lot, you know, yeah. and it just all goes into processing. Like, yeah, I, so I, uh, on the charity note, like, um, that's one of those things, like, one of the things that you can do is the stuff that you're doing there is... Yeah, you can give money to a charity. And this is one thing that uh, like, I'm not necessarily good at, but that I really like the thought process of mm-hmm. is that, yeah, you can give money to a charity and that helps out. And that's important. People should do that. Yeah. But having a direct impact, like actually giving someone food, that actually is a lot higher impact. You know directly where that is going. Yeah. And you know the impact that you're making. And just doing good things to do good things is different than giving money to charity, which is also good. But it is not, it is not, it, there's nowhere near the, um, you can't tell the always. impact. You know what I mean? Yeah. And, and then yeah. sometimes, well, the good thing is that someone say like 80 cents out of every dollar goes yeah. towards cancer research or something, yeah. which is great. I mean, I can't, me giving a guy an oh, apple yeah, every day. Oh yeah, like charity's not bad. Like it's like, charity's yeah. obviously a good thing, like, and it's important to. Uh, well, there but, are spectrums. And you're talking about, I think yeah. a little bit about like enabling, right? Yeah. Two, where you can like help somebody so much. Yeah, but it might not always do it the, be the right way. Because if yeah. you just give that guy a dollar every day, mm-hmm. he might put it towards other things and get dependent on you giving him a dollar every day. Yeah. Versus if you just like give him food every day, that's not going to, you know, how much fruit is the guy going to want? Yeah. Eventually, he's going to like it feel like feel sustained enough and go out and do other things. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And then too, and the other note on it too is that like 
it kind of takes away that having to do all this research on so many different charities because if you have charities out there that are their purpose is to just swindle money which i I don't know like how many i like i don't know the percentage or anything i think they try their best at hiding it too yeah if there's even one percent of charity that is doing that like if there's even one that is just terrible you know what i mean that's just a terrible thing to have so having a direct impact on people's lives is is awesome i think the way they do it too is that they'll have some foundation or something but it's all administrative administrative fees and they basically have like the guy running it and everything else and they just like pay them salaries and then like very little makes it to whatever the cause is yeah but you know that's yeah yeah, that's just kind of society in general. I mean, yeah. some people just get away with whatever they can, but that's yeah. their goals. I mean, that that all talks to like the pursuit of happiness, yeah. right? Like if some people being happy and being fulfilled, like we talked a little bit about you, this this podcast to you is what you want to do. Yeah, it's fulfilling. Some people it's just making the most money possible. Yeah. That's fulfilling. Some people it's just like harvest. It's harvesting the best damn apple you've ever had. Yeah, and some people it's just they want to have their garden and grow the most beautiful orchids. I mean, everyone yeah. has their thing. You know, yeah. Like, and sometimes it doesn't work out. Like, I think Van Gogh is the biggest story of like he did what he wanted to do when he could. The guy had like horrible mental traumas that he had to deal with, and he just painted the way he painted, no matter what. And he died, and now he's just one of the biggest names. Who doesn't know who Van Gogh is? Mm -hmm. When he was alive, nobody knew who Van Gogh was. Mm -hmm. Yeah, or Van Gogh, if you wanted to go down that route. Yeah, yeah. No, it's pretty incredible, though. Yeah, yeah. How are we doing on time? Yeah, we're doing good, man. Our, our, how are you feeling? We're at uh, 2.15. 2.15? We've been going a while. How yeah. how long am I supposed to go? I mean, yeah. is this a marathon? No, right? We're talking about sports. Yeah. Are there can... e- e-sports for marathoning podcasts? <laughs> there are not, but uh, we can close it out here. We covered uh, a lot of things. I'm going to or... gerrymander the ish out of this. <laughs> Just stand here talking the entire time. Yeah. I can keep going. Yeah. We, could, we could do whatever you want. I mean, yeah. I, I talked about some stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, I feel bad because I like to be a good listener. Do you want to talk? How, how are things going in your life, Lucas? I feel like oh, I've seen no, you so no, little at work. This isn't a... Uh, I've uh, been teaching tennis, so I've not been yeah, at Yeah, I want to hear about that. I mean, it's yeah. a new thing for you. Yeah, it's new. I absolutely love it. Yeah? Absolutely love What's it. the age group you're teaching, too? Middle school to high school. Middle school? So they're still slightly impressionable. But, yeah. But have a strong opinion on things. Yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah, definitely. But that's uh, that's why I love it. That's yeah. why I love it is because I want to have a an impression. I want to have an impression and. I think having a good teacher is the most important thing. I never had a lot of good teachers. No, no. Um, except for, for, except for that deep. was till way later. But I never had a lot of good. Uh, I only public had speaking, that's what it was. yeah, public speaking. Yeah, but I've only had I want to say I've only had like a couple people in my life that I would say like are mentors. Mentors that I would say like this person has been in my life for long enough to where this person has had such an impact on how I just think and everything. But I've had to do a lot of self-work. Like yeah. I've had to do a lot of like, I've had to really be my own mentor in a lot of ways. Yeah. Not that, I'm not saying that I haven't learned things, obviously, but I've done a lot of seeking out to be the best person I can possibly be in like, how can I do that myself? And you know what I mean? And it's discovering what that best person is. Yeah. You know, because. Yeah, I'm learning that too. Yeah. Because mm-hmm. some bodybuilder is just the biggest, strongest guy. Yeah. And um, then from there, but what I want to do is what I've learned is that I really just want to have an impact on their lives. Mm-hmm. So if I have them for a week, I want them to not just enjoy tennis camp. Yeah. I want them to. Tennis camp. Yeah. Tennis camp. I never did any of those like, actually, you know what I did? I think I did an art camp when I was yeah. like <laughs> nine or something, but go on. Yeah. It's more of a training program where, so the kids are, they're more into it. Mm-hmm. So it's not just like babysitting, mm-hmm. but the kids are a little bit more into it. So, but even if I have a kid for a week, what I want them to do is not just learn tennis 
like I want them to learn life skills, like life skills, things that I think are important. And yeah, it's my, what is it? It is my, um, my interpretation of what is important. Hmm. Um, but I think that it's tools that everybody could have. So like one thing I really hammer home is it is important to just work. Like it's important to work and learn to enjoy working, especially if you want to be good at tennis. Because if you want to be good at tennis, the thing is there's a there's a book. It's the Art of Mastery, I think. Um, he mentions this thing. It's called the plateaus. Mm-hmm. And so what happens is as you get better at an art or a skill, whatever it is, in the beginning you have, especially if you're talented, you have lots of ups where you're getting a lot better really fast. Maybe you have some downs, but you have a lot of ups. Yeah. And then eventually as you get like where I am with my tennis is I'm, I'm very good. Um, I'm not very good, but I'm good. I'm I'm played college tennis which is like so humble yeah but i played college tennis which is like some percentage of everybody that plays tennis you know what i mean yeah but if i want to get better i have to just put in time because the plateau of where i get better and the jumps of me getting better first off the jumps are much smaller Mm -hmm. and also too there's just a lot more time in between where i just have to put in time to get better so one thing i really just try to teach them is that just learn to do things that are difficult and just enjoy to do difficult things. And after you enjoy doing difficult things, like you just get enjoyment out of doing those things. And it's just, just by doing them, not even by the result. Cause I don't want them to get attached to winning or losing. Cause I actually don't think that that's that important. I think that if you able, if you're able to just do the work and work really hard, and then you're able to go out there and say, I left it all out on the court. Like I played my best match ever. You can feel self-fulfilled which I think is more important than getting you attached to, I have more wins than I have losses. Because that can be degrading. You're, you're inspiring some thoughts in me about like the, a video game crossover point. Mm-hmm. Is, you know the game Dark Souls? I love Dark Souls. Everyone played, complains about how hard it is. I've played hours and I, I've played hours and hours, hours and, and hours, hours of Dark Souls. Have you beaten Dark Souls? I've not beaten it even. That's the thing. So that game, I've never played it. So and Bloodborne, I, I've played. I Bloodborne? love Bloodborne, yeah. Yeah, I've heard that's a great game too. Yeah. Um, so... Dark Souls apparently is like one of the most challenging video games and yeah. seems super unfair to like your average game player mm-hmm. because it's just so effing hard. Yeah. So, but the fulfillment you get from that game, once you, you have, beat it, you just feel so good. When you beat, oh my God, when I beat, four, uh, what is it, Four Kings, I think it is, uh, one of the bosses, I literally jumped out of my chair and I was like screaming. Yeah. Like because I was like... Let's, let's go. Like, I was so happy. Yeah, you're so, so happy because yeah. you just put forth, and it's all skill-based, and it yeah. was all you putting everything in. Yeah. And I think that that's what you're talking about with the tennis, right? Yeah. Is that if it's it's about you put in that work and you get the reward out of yeah. it that you finally succeed from putting that much in. Yeah. Yeah. Which mm-hmm. is true. And it's sad when it doesn't happen. Yeah. You know, sometimes people put everything they had into something and it just yeah. doesn't work out. Yeah. But... I think that regret balances that out. Like if you if you hadn't put everything in, would you really feel like you tried all the way? Yeah. And wouldn't you always regret not going for it? Yeah. I've taken some long shots, put in everything, and failed. Yeah. That's yeah. important though. Like I think that is a better way to live than living with regret. Yeah. I think There's so too. A, uh, who, who said this? I forget. But uh, this is something I want to do. There's a, maybe it was someone on Instagram, but uh, he said, if you want to see regret, you can volunteer at like an elderly home. And what you can do is you can, and you can just talk to them. And then eventually, like, eventually you'll end up talking to someone. They're like, I wish I'd done this. I wish I'd done this. Yeah. And he said, seeing regret in someone's eyes who's like older and they can't do it anymore. They can't. They just can't do what they want to do anymore. That'll, there's nothing like that that'll get you to go. You know what I mean? Yeah. I mean, we talked a little bit before about 
when we were talking about Harry Potter with me taking care of my grandmother, mm-hmm. when she, she, so she had um, Alzheimer's, dementia. Oh, sorry the, to hear the, that. The kind of same thing. Yeah, yeah thanks. Yeah. She, you know, she lived a full life. She, mm-hmm. um, actually, she lived, lived pretty much the exact life she wanted, which was, yeah. she married my grandfather, I think in her early 20s. She mm-hmm. had three kids. And then she was a house mom and she would have people over at night and they would sit around a table <laughs> and drink highballs and like tell old stories. And she did that for 60 years of her life. She would just have yeah. people over and they would drink drinks and tell old sto- the same old stories <laughs> over and over again every night. And she was treated like a princess by my grandfather. And yeah, and yeah she left the life she wanted. Yeah. But when she got too bad, when she got bad enough that like my third cousin... Lori or something, I think is her name, that I've never met before that day. Mm-hmm. When she got so bad that Lori had to like move out of the house and we had to move her to, to yeah. closer to family, I wound up taking care of her during the yeah. day because she was in a skilled nursing facility mm-hmm. and they are really skilled, but we, she was kept falling and having issues. And so we had to have somebody there with her to make sure she would make it through. And I was like doing my little industrial design thing, mm-hmm. making like custom furniture and installations for houses. And it was like me and another guy, which is why I say it was hobbyist. Like it was full time for me, Yeah, but it like, you know, it was it was okay. It was fun, and I had I had people who commissioned work that um, I'm really proud of, and it was yeah. really great. And I can show you some, and yeah. I've got a website if you really want to see it. But yeah, absolutely. But um, I, some days I would I would go and I would take care of my grandmother, and it was interesting to see how her mind slipped and be around all these people who were at the end of their days, and it almost felt like you, as as honest as I can be, is it that place feels like you're just waiting for them to die? Yeah. I mean, they go there and their minds are gone and they're just yeah. bouncing around the walls. It's the worst thing to see. I bet. And it was a beautiful facility. And some of them I know, there's a huge spectrum with those places. And yeah. this one was great. And if she ever needed, there would be someone there to give her a snack or take yeah. care of her. her. She had her own room with her own bathroom and her own closet. Yeah, she had her own good. phone line and TV. Mm-hmm. It was great. It was exorbitantly expensive. And mm-hmm. some people will save up their entire lives, be put in a place like that, and only be able to afford it for a year, burn through mm-hmm. their life savings, and then be kicked out into like some state-run place or into someone's Jeez. house. Luckily, she had enough that she was okay, and she wasn't there that long. She was there for like 11 months or something. Mm-hmm. But you see these people degrade, and I said, you know what? I don't want to do this. Like, I don't want to. I don't want to feel like I'm at the end of my life, like these people do, and have those regrets like you're talking yeah. about. You know. So it's like you're having that exact experience then that I talked about. Yeah, yeah. Like I was there firsthand, and I was taking care of her. Yeah, and it, I mean. She was interesting in ways that, like, she could, she was almost non communicative in the end. And I could yeah. somehow translate some of the things she was trying to say when she was hungry or what, just because I spent so much time with her. Yeah. But some days she could still pick up a phone and, like, close her eyes and concentrate and have a convert, the same conversation she had had with her best friend because it was so rehearsed. And she'd mm-hmm. be like, Oh, hey, darling, how are you? Yeah. Uh huh. Uh huh. Okay, I got to get going. Carrots are burning. Okay, goodbye. And she'd hang up the phone. And she could like muster that once in a while. Yeah. Even when she could like barely talk to us, just because she'd said that same line, the so same few times. lines, like for decades, mm-hmm. just to check in and, and see how her family was doing. Yeah. Yeah. But I think that there's a lot of, I mean, if you look up a lot of uh, war stories, mm-hmm. there, I think Michael Caine has a story. Um, you know Michael Caine, the actor? No. He played Alfred. He was in, I think, Harry Brown. He's been in a lot of stuff. He worked okay. with... Uh, um, Christopher Reeves. Oh, wow. Uh, he's a, he's a, yeah, he's a really famous actor. He did a lot of stage stuff. Anyways, I think he was in some war and he had a near death experience in that war. Mm-hmm. And he said, you know what? I'm going to live every day. Like it's my last and I'm going to have like yeah. the life I want. And he saw some woman on some advertisement and he's like, she's the one. And he found her like a month later and then they're married and they're still married today. Oh, wow. And he just like apparently lives Beautiful his life story. that way. And it's true that if you like are an honest person mm-hmm. and you live your life to the fullest that you can, you're not going to have regrets at the end of it. And I try yeah. to do that. It's That's hard. important. And I got to take leaps. And I took a leap this week 
and it failed. Really? And I still feel rough about it, but I'll get over it and I'm glad. Yeah. It's better that I take that, took that leap than years from yeah. now I regret it. That's why we live. It's why we live. Yeah, it's yeah. really why we live. Because yeah. the thing is, is if everything was easy, like there would be no leaps. Yeah. And the reason that we live is so that we can take those leaps. Right. Everything that's... Because otherwise your life is just the same. Yeah. And we're not... And the thing that I think is important too, this is something that I'm learning, is that let's say I have a good day where I'm really happy or something. Okay. The More next serotonin. day, the next day, that is not what I'm looking for. What I'm looking for is what can I do the most this day? And what can I do the most the next day? And eventually that kind of goes into your own system then. And then yeah. each day will be happy on its own, but not, it might not be the same happiness. You know what I mean? It's flowing. It's free throwing. It's, it's Evolving. going along with free. the, yeah. yeah, it's going along with the flow. You know, it's a beautiful thing. I actually have the, I have this book here that I keep here because it's very important to me is uh, the mindful athlete. The mindful athlete. Yeah, it's the one I keep down there. Hmm. But it's, uh, I keep it on display for if I ever do a camera thing, like people can see it. Hmm. Um, it's a very important book to me because I think it's all about mindfulness and living in the moment. And being, yeah. It's something I really struggle with or I used to struggle with. I do a much better job now. So, well, but, you need you need lows to have highs too. Yeah. I mean, if, you, if yeah. you only experience, it's like a good party mix of music, right? Like yeah. you need some, they say that you need like the, the subtle, the low beats, the mellow yeah. stuff. To like Not every song beats. can be a super ultra banger. Exactly. <laughs> like you need, otherwise, like what's there to contrast? Yeah. You know? And people have their own thing coming to the party. Like they might've just listened to classical music on the whole Uber over and they're yeah. ready for some upbeats, some bangers. Mm -hmm. But like life is that way too. If you've never experienced pain, then yeah. it's hard for you how to can have you know some what, middle ground. How can you know what is not pain? You yeah. know what I mean, if you've never, yeah. if you've never, if you've never had it and like the same is true for joy. I mean, moments that you fight for are so much more worth it. I, there's yeah. some quote that I'm going to botch. It's like everything worth having is worth fighting for. Yeah. So sometimes the things that we want the most that are most important to us take the most work. Yeah. And even then, after a, it could be a decade of trying for it, we might fail. Yeah. But how how better to spend that decade? You know? Yeah. If you've been able to tell the future, sure. But if we knew everything that was going to happen ever, what's the point? We would just be characters living it out. Yeah. You'd be characters in a written book. Yeah. Which, yeah. if you knew everything, I mean, that'd be awful. Yeah. I actually, so I'm reading a, a, a fantasy book where, uh, oh, what was it? Oh, Dune. Have you ever read Dune? I haven't read Dune. I know they're filming it. Yeah. So Dune is, uh, there's like this whole thing. Everyone has fascination with knowing the future and like being able to see the future because there's a character who can actually see the future. Whoa. And then he, uh, but not from seeing the future, the way he sees it is that he can, so there's this thing, there's this drug called the spice. It makes your eyes blue or something? Yeah. It makes your eyes blue. It's like a seventies yeah. movie they made that I might've seen as like a little kid. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It gets, it gets uh, trashed on a lot. Oh yeah. But, um, it's a really good book. It's a, it asks a lot of bigger questions of you. Like yeah. if you, if you read it, it really asks you your mind, a lot of bigger questions. And this most recent one, which was the third one kind of really brought a lot of that stuff home. There's another book after it. Um, but the main character, Paul are in the first two books, mm -hmm. uh, Paul Atreides. What he can do is he can actually see the future because he can see every action and then the reaction to that action. Whoa. And then he sees a bunch of different possibilities what happens is like Dr. Strange. Yeah. And what happens is he, at a one point he gets what he calls, uh, getting stuck in the vision where he actually goes blind, but he actually gets stuck in a vision and he just, everything happens as he knows it's going to happen. But his son instead like avoids doing that. Like he avoids the spice and then eventually all these things happen. He ends up taking the spice. Yeah. And what happens is, um, 
like he goes in the spice trance and he spice like trance. avoids going into the vision or whatever instead he like kind of flows with everything and he then he's like on this what he calls golden path but he can see like somewhat of the future but he doesn't want to get stuck in certain things and kind of mm. make these big decisions it's pretty cool where uh i don't know it's it's hard to explain cause, no uh, yeah it's a huge book too it's like yeah. 700 pages or something right now nah, dune one it's probably like 600 pages, maybe 500. Dude, I have. That's not that far off. Dune 1, 2. How many books are there? Oh, the, there's the first one, which is Dune, which I have up there. Okay. Uh, then there is the second one, which I forget it's called. Then there's the Children of Dune, which I just read. And then there's a fourth one. Children of the Dune? Yeah. Children of Dune. <laughs> yeah. Because yep. the planet Dune. Gotcha. Yeah. Gotcha. gotcha. Arrakis. But uh, it's, yeah. a, it's a really. Um, I might read it again, actually. Because yeah. it, it had a big impact on me. There's like, like the third one. Big sandworms or yeah. something. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there was some joke going out that's like Christian Bale. See, they played Batman, Christian yeah. Bale. Christian Bale gains 400,000 pounds to play <laughs> the sandworm. In Dune. So he can method act it. So he can method act it, the sandworms. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And that's like, I think Dune's like a mix of, I don't remember, but there's like Tremors is kind of like a ripoff of Dune. I haven't read Tremors. I think it's just a cheesy movie franchise. Oh, where there's okay. like these giant worms in the sand that if mm-hmm. you walk, they can sense the vibrations and they yeah, can eat you. Yeah, that happens in Dune. Yeah. yeah. But uh, that book had a big impact on me because it was like, you don't really want to know the future. You just want to live right now is the message I got from it. We well, you know the story of the Cyclops? No. Uh, from Hercules? Or so, is it from- so, the, so the Cyclops, if I remember right, because I think the, probably the mythology changes. There's but- Cyclops with... Uh, Homer's Odyssey. They go back and visit uh, Ulysses, or yeah, yeah. He goes back and visits it. But you keep going. So yeah, like nobody is wounded me, blinded yeah. me. Yeah. So, um, but the, I think the story of the Cyclops is that they had two eyes and they were giants, and mm-hmm. they traded one eye to see the future. But all they can see is their own death. Yeah. Oh wow. Yeah. It's pretty intense, if I remember it correctly. Yeah. Either that, or it came from someone seeing like narwhal bones or something. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's pretty wild, though. But uh, yeah, I mean, that's that's like some trick that someone, some fate pulled on the Cyclops. Yeah. But it's, I mean, it's true. Like, what if you did know that, you know? Yeah. If you could see the future, then you're probably your death is included in there. Yeah. And if you could, I think the thing about seeing the future is the deal goes that if you can see the future, you can change it. You assume yeah. that you can change it. If you could see the future and change it, that would be one thing. Because life would still be interesting. Because you know that you could change yeah. it and it wouldn't be that way. But if it would be a curse if you could see the future and you couldn't change anything. Yeah. Right. That would be absolutely a curse because then all it like all the good things that were to happen, you could see happen and know they were going to happen. And honestly, good things that happen are the best when you don't know they're going to happen. Yeah. And they just kind of happen. Yeah. So it's not as much joy. And then the bad things that happen, you're just going to dread because you know they're going to happen. Yeah. And you know when they're going to happen. You're just going to spend time worrying about when that's going to happen. Right. Yeah. And that comes with like the living life every day. I mean, you get you never know when your time's going to come is what it comes down to. Yeah. Like you have 16 year olds that are having aneurysms and like they're just sitting at their desks and one day they just like their head goes down and they're gone. Yeah. And that happens. That's I wild mean, to think about. Yeah. I dated a girl who was, who we were together for like six years and she was apartment hunting and car hit her gone. Oh geez. Yeah. Sorry it, to hear that. It's fine. It took me for a number of years. Oh I, yeah. I, I can't spent, even imagine. Yeah. I spent a good number of years thinking like, what's the point of everything? And I was, yeah. I probably slowed down building my house around that point. Yeah. But like you never know and it gave me a new appreciation for things yeah. that you you just can't take things like that for granted and she was tough and she pursued her dreams more than anyone i've known and that's the hardest part is that she was so focused on being what she wanted to be and then she pursued out of nowhere out of nowhere it was taken away from her when she was just like right on the cusp of it Jeez. yeah she she had a job she wanted to work with big cats jaguars and stuff mm-hmm. and she 
went to graduate school for it and she studied with big cats in South America and she got a job with the San Diego Zoo, which is really oh, wow. difficult to do. And she was working with their small mammals, but she was building yeah. up to that. Yeah. And she was in San Diego looking for a place and it just some guy had a s- stroke in the in a wow. truck and like came off the freeway and hit her when she was at a stop sign. Jeez. Yeah. And so it was just like a freak thing, but she was just yeah. gone. Yeah, it was hard. That's awful. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah. Yeah, mm. that just happens in life. And you can't, yeah. the thing is that if, if I let it get me down for a long time, and if you yeah. let stuff like that get you down and hold you down, then it's robbing from your own life. Yeah. You know, so even with those things, those trials that we face, you still have to try to make the best of it. Yeah. Just that's the, that's the hard sake. part. Yeah. 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 That's how it goes. Yeah. But yeah. Uh, what comes after teaching tennis? After teaching tennis? You mean this podcast is going to blow up and it's going to be a thing? Uh, that's the dream. That's the dream. That's the dream. But, uh, I keep it patient. I keep it patient is the most important thing that for me, I just, uh, what I do is I keep plugging in my hours, keep trucking away. And yeah. then if it takes off, it takes off. If not, and then I'm still training tennis. So hopefully, uh, I've got some stuff in the works that I'm not necessarily comfortable talking about on the show yet. Okay. But, um, cause it's like personal. Gotcha. Um, are you getting married, Lucas? No, I'm not getting married. Is this a surprise proposal? No. <laughs> <laughs> well you know <laughs> but did um ruin, did yeah. ruin something <laughs> no um <laughs> now I'm, I'm making some leaps and bounds I've, I've been playing the best tennis of my life so far so really um i was gonna ask i was like how is your tennis game i was actually good. you might have talked about this i don't mean to cut you off yeah but you might have talked about this probably on the number of podcasts you've had yeah i tried to listen to a couple but you've got more than i can like cram preparing for this lot. interview i have a lot i have uh over 200 yeah 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 and i so but i, I was curious like if you aren't just repeating yourself for the hundredth time. And oh, I don't mind. I, I always love talking about but it. But I'm, I'm curious because like there's got to be some development there where you like get into a sport because you've probably been to it from a young age. I'm I actually guessing. started late. You I started, started late? late. So uh, my, my tennis story is a bit interesting. So I started when I was, so there's what I call like I played for fun and then I started training. Yeah. I started training very late actually. I started training like, so most kids start when they're like seven and under. I didn't start, I didn't pick up a rack until I was like 10 or 11. Uh, to me, that's still young. Yeah. Oh no, it's still super young. It's just like in the world of tennis. Like if, I mean, I, I try, I really don't compare myself because it's like learning a language. You want to get it while you're young. So it's yeah. like in your brain. Mm-hmm. So like the, some of the people I hit with now, they've been hitting since they were like three. Wow. And so they're really good. They're amazing players. Hidden with. Yeah. Is that cross compatible to other sports with a ball and a stick or something? <laughs> yeah. Like baseball or cricket hidden with okay. <laughs> a little bit, uh, yeah. <laughs> with, um, but they've been playing since they were like three or four. And uh, for me, I was always very talented. Um, I picked it up. I just remember. I remember the first time I picked it up and I was like, oh, this makes so much sense. Well, you're tall and you're lanky. Yeah. So it makes sense. Because mm-hmm. you're like 6'2". Yeah. So, yeah. It makes probably you a good tennis player. Yeah. I just remember I remember picking up a racket for the first time and hit with my dad and just being able to just like hit for a while and just be able to keep the ball in. I was like, oh, this makes sense. Wow. And then I didn't start training until I was like... 18 like i took private lessons and stuff like that but I, it wasn't very serious like mm-hmm. it was just more like i want to be good on my high school team you're making all my sports stories like well up in the back of my mind yeah <laughs> going and so um then when i was in my senior year of high school i decided i really want to get good and so wow. i started training with this kid uh who was like nationally ranked and everything in high school yeah in high school so like a senior year of high school really late and I said, or junior year of high school, that summer, I'd start training with a kid uh, that I knew pretty well at my camp. He was very good, nationally ranked kid. Uh, and I said, I want to play D1 tennis, like at least. So I ended up going to an academy, which was, uh, it was huge. That like was, a summer academy? Like a tennis academy. Tennis, 
So, so like homeschooled and I just played tennis. Like, whoa, your senior year of high school? Yeah. So I skipped out of my senior year of high school, moved down to South Carolina. Wow. And uh, I played, it was basically wait up, wake up at seven, get to the courts by like eight, eight thirty, play till 12, hour break, play till five. Wow. Like four or five, an hour, hour fitness or something. Wow. And that was every day, every day, five days a week. And then... Are there tennis scholarships for college? Oh, yeah, yeah. Okay. They're big. If you go to a good school. I, I didn't get one because I wasn't as good. But... um. And then it was tournaments every, like pretty much every weekend, especially when I really got into the flow of things. It was like five days a week, tournaments every weekend. So I lived academy life. Went and played a year of D1 tennis. I did not play on the team. There was going to be opportunities at the end where I could have played, but uh, I would have lost a, a year of eligibility and I was transferring. I wasn't gotcha. going to stay. And then I played four years at, at Westchester, actually. So Wow. Yeah. I did, I did fairly well there. But the thing was for me is I always struggled mentally. I just couldn't do matches. I love practicing. I could hit all day. Gotcha. I can do that. I can. I always worked out. My health and you know me, like my health stuff's yeah. always on point. Yeah. Uh, I'm. I always took care of that. It you was just for the, me. You always have the healthiest snacks. Yeah. 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 <laughs> I try my best, but uh, for me, and then, but I never was really. I was terrible at competing. Like I would lose to people that I really. I'm skilled fitness wise. I had. I checked all the boxes, but my mind is just not strong. So it's just like the stress of the competition. Yeah. It was more like I would just freak myself out. Like I would just yeah. go out there and I would freeze like, and I just wouldn't be able to play well. Like I could not play and even in practice, like even in practice sets and everything, like I would get, I would get super bad anxiety. Oh man. And so for me, I always had to pee before nervous stuff. Yeah. <laughs> like going on stage, I'd be yeah. like, I have to pee. I had a panic attack in my first college match. Ooh. Yeah. So that yeah. was like rough. What, would, did, it, did it work out? What happened? I mean, I lost, but I, I played through it. Like you played through it. That's yeah, yeah, impressive. I just, I just played through it. That's like, impressive though. Like your first panic attack. I feel like most people just stop yeah. moving. Yeah. It was just, well, I was, just, I just remember like freaking out. Like I just was freaking out and I cried after and stuff. <laughs> but considering you managed to swing a racket, I mean, that's actually pretty, that's, that's impressive. Yeah. Work through that way. It's just like plugging away. And then, just recently, so I, I just had this most recent concussion, which was that was pretty. Oh, rough. I remember that. It was really. You bad. were dazed for a while. Yeah, a long time. And then I got. Uh, I had. Um, I talked about it on the podcast. I had like really, really bad depression right after that. Yeah. Because like, I just my brain was knocked. So damn. I was like, oh yeah. Um, there was like I wasn't in work for a while because I was just I was sitting on the couch. I couldn't do anything. Like I just couldn't get up. Yeah, I mean depression is hard. Yeah, I've had a couple of bouts myself. Yeah. And for me, for me, like, I'm really go-getter. Like, I really... You, you are. Yeah. So, like, I really... Like, I'm doing the podcast and playing tennis. Like, I'm, I'm trying to do all my stuff that I really enjoy. And for me, it was just like, I could not get out of the couch. Like, I couldn't get off the couch. Yeah. And it was I remember, terrible. I remember a couple of days we had conversations and, and you were coming to work and you were trying, but you were just like, I think I just have to go home. Oh, I couldn't do it. I couldn't do it. Yeah. And there, there was something too with, with you. And I don't, if I'm getting too personal. No, no, no. It's fine. I don't mind talking about this stuff. Feel free to edit any of this out. But I remember one day you were like, I, I've been trying to call my brother to like to have him check on something. And he hasn't answered his phone and nobody's answering their phones. And I'm just really freaked out right now. And I got to go home and check. And you left work because you were like, yeah. I want to go check to make sure my brother's okay. Yeah. And it's interesting. I think maybe because like, you had like that fixation and yeah. sometimes depression I've noticed can do that with people where they just get fixated on certain yep. things or it, actions it was exactly that yeah. or things in the past. Like I've known people that have depression and they'll just like have this memory from 15 years ago yeah. and they'll dwell on it for a week yeah. and it consumes them and no one remembers this t thing, but then yeah, only but them, but somehow it just consumes them and they yeah. can't get over it Yeah, and they can't move forward. Yeah. yeah. No, no, it's not too personal. It's uh, but like, yeah, that, that's exactly what it was. Like I would have days at work where, oh, when I was getting out of it, I would hit eight hours and I would get out and I would just be like, 
I like almost cried. I would be like, I actually fucking did it. Like I worked eight hours. Yeah. Like I just, I would have like, I was having such bad anxiety on the floor. Like I would be, like I would be, uh, I was just sitting there like thinking in my head. I was like, I can't do this. Like I can't be here. Like I can't work. Like how am I going to do this? But do you think it's a good thing that you worked through it and you actually stayed for the eight hours? Oh yeah. Doing that. Like it was hard. It was hard. It was so hard. Like mentally it was so hard. Like I can't, I, I remember being there just thinking I can't do this. And then I would get past that and then I would get into like hour five yeah. and I was like, okay, like, like maybe I can do this. And then I would get out and I, and I started doing it more and more Yeah, because I was working a lot of hours then. Mm-hmm. Um, and then eventually I got there and I was like, okay, I, I can do this. And eventually I started getting a lot better too. And then I did a lot of self work in that time period. I did a lot of like reading and like on things that like are important, like to address like what I think were the problems at the time, like that was really causing all my like anxiety and and stuff like that. Like I did a lot of reading, like how can I do that? I worked with my therapist and stuff. Like Mm. I talked to her a lot about like, what can I work on? What can I improve on? And then it really led me on this path now where I'm at, which is what the most important thing to me in my life right now, which is to live mindfully and to live like in the moment. And so I do a lot of like a lot of meditation, a lot of stuff like that, that book, that's why that book's so important to me. Hmm. And so now even though like I might not win every match, I really think that I'm making the biggest strides I've ever made in my tennis, like really fast. And I think I'm playing the best tennis I've ever played. And I'm learning how to deal with match stuff mentally. Like I played a match, uh, last week and I lost to a pretty good guy. Um, he D one tennis actually at a pretty good school. I won't, I won't say the school, but, um, at a pretty good school, they've been ranked before and stuff like that. And it, like the score wasn't necessarily close, but the points were all really close and I made a lot of strides. And instead of just giving up, like as I would before, like as I hit that wall, cause there's like these points in a match where you'll hit a wall sometimes and you can feel the rhythm change instead of giving up, which is what in the past, what I would normally do, I would just give up and I would just, my mind would give up. Basically I'd say like, Oh, like, Oh man, I, I'd freak out. I don't know if I can do this. And instead of doing that, I was able to continue playing and like play really good and play in the moment. So like, that's why I think I've been playing some of the best. Cause I've like, let go of all this stuff like that. I just was holding on to, you know what I mean? I'm suddenly so compelled to hug you. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you. Just give you a pat on the back. Yeah. But do you think when you were starting to go through it and you were taking those days where you would leave after four or five hours, Yeah. do you think it would have been detrimental to try to stick it out for the eight hours? To, Cause you weren't necessarily ready for it. Um, yeah, think? it's possible. It's possible. Yeah. Like the way I, I kind of look at what ifs, which is always dangerous. Yeah. But. I think at the time, like I honestly, I wouldn't change it. Like yeah. I, I wouldn't change it because I, I think it, it taught me that I, I think I really just needed that time for myself. You know, like I really just need that time to, to just suck. You know what I mean? Like it just yeah. to deal with it. Like, cause there's times where I think like if you're getting upset and anxious and depressed and stuff, like sometimes I think you just have to be that. Like, I think you just like, uh, Aubrey Marcus, he, uh, someone I really like. Uh, he's the owner of on it. He posted something. He said, your, your emotions are like the season. Sometimes you got to be winter. You know what I mean? Like you can't be summer and spring all the time. Mm-hmm. Like sometimes you just have to be winter. And so when I was going through that, I was like, now I look back on it. I go, you know, I, I just had to do that. You know, like I had to do it. It's kind of like, I, I, I know people that, um, when they're sad, they yeah. try to get sadder and cry and just get it out. Yeah. It's better than just kind of being on the precipice of crying all day. Yeah. So mm-hmm. it just kind of helps work through it. Yeah. Yeah, I think you're right. And I think that talking about like evolving and comparing yourself and all yeah. that, I mean, you 
you you paced yourself to like becoming better as yeah. you wanted to. And now that you've like worked through that that depression and you've worked through that trauma because yeah. it was physical too. I mean, it was psychological. And who's to say oh, that's yeah. not also like a physical chemical thing? Yeah. But you had the physical trauma from the concussion. Yeah. You had the depression. You had maybe some anxiety because mm-hmm. those are very closely related. I think. Yeah. Um. And you've worked through it, and now that you're like healed enough, you're ready to kind of pursue these yeah. things that you've been pushing off for a long time. Yeah. Yeah. And, and oh yeah, I'm pursuing them with like a much bigger fire than right. before. Where because, I'm, yeah. I really feel like I can do it. You know. And maybe those things yeah. held you back, and they were just there was this balance between the two that neither one of them progressed because they were yeah. keeping each other, each other in check. Mm-hmm. And now that you've dealt with that. Yeah. depression anxiety you're able to more fully express like this athletic yeah. side that you've been like chasing yeah yeah and i think it's for me again it's all mental like i think for a lot of people it's mental too like it's just let me on this stuff like i really just want to strengthen my mind like i've done all the fitness stuff but i just want to strengthen my mind to where it's not like i don't want to say like oh i'm so unstoppable right it's i want to say like my mind is so strengthened that like it can just deal with it. You know what I mean? Like I'm sad. I'm sad. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? Like that's what I am. You know what I mean? And instead of like getting caught up in that and the story of that and like what's making me sad instead of just being sad and just like being there. And that's what happens and being okay with that. And like noticing that not everything is going to be perfect all the time. And that's part of the journey and learning to love. Like that's what I'm trying to do is learning to love when things are down yeah. And just being like, okay with things are going to be down and just learn to love that because that's going to happen. Oh, man. So that's what I'm trying to do. And that's... uh, Accepting being sad is huge. It's it's so difficult because you have to kind of confront like that it's real. Yeah. Because when you're sad, what do you do? You try to either cheer up. Yeah. Or maybe you're like looking for sympathy or that type of thing. But to accept it, like you're just sad. Yeah. And it's something that you have to work through and not ignore. Yeah. And something that you have to just try not to seek attention out of and like, it's your own issue, right? Yeah. And sometimes there are people to help you. Yeah. So, but like just accepting that you're sad and trying to move forward as slowly as you need is one of the most difficult things. Yeah. You mm-hmm. know? I mean, I think it's, it's amazing that you're able to do that. I mean, also considering that, I, when did you hit your head? Like four months ago? I hit my, no, longer than that. Oh. I hit my head last October. Oh. So it's been, it hasn't been a year yet, but these past, uh, I want to say like, I've been completely, I want to say over it, like the past three months. Like I've been doing a really good job. Which is incredible. I mean, that means that October was the 10th month, yeah. right? It now so is the seventh month, so nine months ago. November, December, January, February, March was tough. And then April, I want to say. Oh, April is when you were better. So it's April been six I, months. Yeah. Gotcha. You said, it's, you said it was been about three months. I'm sorry. Yeah. So, so six months to turn that around is incredible. I mean, yeah. I, it took me, when, when I had went through bouts, sometimes it was years. Yeah. You know, and you just like try to pick yourself up, but sometimes you just like cover it. Yeah. And it's there forever and you deal with it forever. Yeah. What happened was I just noticed I, so I was working with my therapist real, real heavily. And, um, I just noticed I was like, which also isn't easy to be like open with someone like that. Oh yeah. So what happened was there was a point where I realized, so I'm very action heavy. Like I, sometimes I get freeze. Sometimes I freeze, but I do think it's important to take action. So Mm -hmm. if I, if sometimes I'll, I'll, feel like i'll feel like i'm just pushing it off like i'm just pushing it off so what happened was i was working and i was like you know what i'm just gonna be open like i'm just gonna just deal with it mm-hmm. and like it's gonna suck i'm just gonna deal with it and so i just decided that and then i realized oh this is actually once i deal with it then the moment after like the, it feels really good and then i was like that feels really good that's what i'm gonna do it's like throwing up yeah oh it was just like that it feels awful and then you finally do it and you're like i feel so much better yeah and so like when I do, I do this like, um, so I do this meditation where I 
it's called body sense meditation. I call it that. It's where I like listen to my body. Basically, I just sit there and I, if I feel like vibrations or anything like that, or if I feel like buzzing my hands, itchy, yeah, itchy, but I don't try to do anything about it. Whoa, that's hard. Yeah. So I've gotten really good at it because I just practice it all the time. So like, or if there's some like astronaut training where it's like, learn not to scratch yourself. Yeah. It's just like that. Like if I have an itch, what I just try to do is just like, let it go. Like my body's just telling me something, listen to it, but don't let anything do it. Let it pass. And I, I, like, I don't know. It's just like, I, I'm pretty what is it? Like, I'm pretty, like, when I feel like that's what I have to do. Determined? Like, I'm pretty determined to, like... Do it. Yeah, even do it. Or so not like, do it, in this case. Yeah, or, like, not do it. So, I've just been spending a lot of time, like, sitting still and, like, listening a lot better. And I think that's really just helped me. Like, did, slowing down. Slowing down has really helped me. Did, but, you, did you ever have, like, ADHD or any that kind of stuff? Uh, I think I struggled with it, but mm. it's not something, like, I ever had diagnosed. I was definitely all over the place, like, school. Yeah. Don't, Oh, I was terrible at school. <laughs> oh, so it could have been one of those things too. Yeah. Yeah. You could have just like maybe had a non-diagnosed thing mm-hmm. where you just had an attention disorder. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know if like, it was never anything really serious. It was just like, I was just bored. You know what I mean? Like, mm. you know, it was really hard to, I don't know, but uh, yeah, I don't know. Bad I was teachers, definitely, as you were saying. Yeah. I Maybe, but I was just really high energy all the time. Like when I was oh. a kid, I was super high energy. Like I was like on tables and stuff like that. Wow. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But I'm I'm pretty high energy even still, you know what I mean? Like that's yeah. just I just go. I'm not any more sleep. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I definitely feel that after I've been I've upped my working hours and stuff. Like you you've feel been feeling like, tired? Yeah. Yeah. Today I had the realization like maybe my eyes aren't dark and mysterious. Maybe I'm just always sleep deprived. Yeah. <laughs> it's yeah. possible. Yeah. Yeah, it's always tough. But um yeah. That's pretty much everything. Yeah, right. pretty much everything. Yeah. I bet there's more under that surface of yours. <laughs> there's yeah, there's 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 a little more there. And if and if you are as determined, if you have like the same um determination for Smash Brothers as you do for tennis, which I for some reason think you do, yeah. then I'm about to get destroyed if you show me how to play that game. <laughs> Cuz I've just played casually with friends once in a while. I don't know yeah. how to do any of that aerial stuff. Yeah. Like and I honestly my, I had my friends ask me if I wanted to play Mario Kart two mm-hmm. days ago. Yeah. I It was actually good timing. So I was like, yeah, I haven't seen my friends in like months and yeah. like hung out with them and I had a really hard day. Mm-hmm. And then out of the blue, they asked me to play and my switch wouldn't turn on because I hadn't turned it on like six months. Yeah. So like I got it and I played Zelda and I pretty much put it away. Yeah. And, um, and, uh, anyhow, and my switch wouldn't turn on and, I was like, well, damn. And I found out I had to like hold down the power button for like 10 seconds after yeah. charging fully and all this kind of stuff. So my level of Smash Brothers playing is really small. <laughs> Although I will say that I've had the dream with a Switch. Yeah. And that dream is to sit on an airplane with two people next to me and just pull it out. And they'd be like, sure. Yeah. <laughs> and the three of us sat and played Smash Brothers for an hour on this plane. We didn't exchange names. We didn't yeah. talk to each other. We just like <laughs> grunted like, yeah, or ugh. I lived that dream with my brother. Yeah, well, there you go. But you had a sibling. These were just two strangers yeah. that I'd never <laughs> met before. And I just like pulled the thing out and they were yeah. like, sure. And we played for a little bit, mm-hmm. which I think is like the great thing about the Switch is you yeah. can do that car trips and plane rides yeah. and stuff. My and brother and I, we uh, passed off Metroid, the original. We the were original? on the plane ride. We were going back and forth every death. Metroid, the original. I remember I have I have a Game Boy SD. SP. SP. It's Super like the, power. the little box one. Yeah. It's like a perfect little square thing. Yeah. I saw one that was lime green and someone had it in like, I don't know what, high school, middle school. And I was like, that thing looks cool. And I got it and I had like one game for it because mm-hmm. I, I don't know. I'm like, some people would call me a gamer, but I'm not a gamer. I have a yeah. friend that's a gamer and he's to- he's always playing every game. He's yeah. got them all hours. I don't play that much. Yeah. And 
I had that system, and when I moved out here, my friend uh, Jason, great guy. Whenever he's the kind of friend, like he'd be like, "Neil, I'm I'm building a wall around my house," and I'd be like, "All right, I'll when to time me over there? Five in the morning? Great." And it's like, "Oh, Jason, I'm p- putting shingles on the roof." It's like, "All right, what time you want me over there?" Yeah, like six at night. We're gonna start in the night. Okay, fine, I'll go over there. And like he's just that friend of manual labor. Anything we're there for each other, mm-hmm. and he helped me move out to Philadelphia when I moved from Arizona, and I wanted to like entertain him. Because so, he was going to be sitting shotgun for most of the route. Yeah. So I, I, I dug out my old Game Boy SP. Yeah. And I bought, I did some research on the best games for it. Yeah. And apparently there's like Castlevania. Castlevania. Metroid Fusion. Great. There's some Metroid, maybe it's Fusion. Yeah. That's like supposed to be one of the best games for the Game Boy SP. Metroid Fusion is possibly one of the best games ever. Ever. Like ever. Yeah. And there was like uh, Link's Awakening or yeah, something. Yeah, great game. Great yeah. Game. So there were those three. and But they were like Minish Cap $80 is a great game or like $300 if you want like the original one. And I found some guy on eBay selling him for 12 bucks. And I think that he just like took the chip and programmed it and like printed the sticker and put the sticker on it too. It oh. looks like it's original. Yeah. But I was like, there's no way this is original for $12. Yeah. And he's just like, I'll do any game ever. So I'm like, maybe he just has some huge collection or maybe he just is printing these things. Yeah. They're easy enough to. So I bought the Metroid game and I bought Link's Awakening and I bought Castlevania. Mm-hmm. And I bought the adapter for the sound system for a headset because, like, that system, you've got to have, like, the proprietary Yeah, plug. you have to have, like, the little special charging port. So, for, like, $3 on some website, I bought the adapter to go from that to a 3.5 oh. regular jack. And so, I wanted to have a good time. And, like, because if you're sitting there playing video games, it's kind of boring. Yeah. So, we're driving, and I'm like, check this out, man. And I, he's playing the game, and I plug it in, and I put it through the start the car's stereo. Yeah. So, the, har- the whole stereo is like, do 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 you know, what, if he was playing Mario, I guess, that's the yeah. Mario theme. But it, the whole car stereo is like making the music and we're just like laughing because he's just like, pew, 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 and the whole car is just echoing with the booms of him that's playing awesome. the game. Just so it doesn't feel like he's alone just sitting there playing. Yeah. You know? And uh, yeah, we had a good time. That's they're, awesome. They're, they're great games. Yeah. I yeah. might do that, actually. You can. I have a trip coming up. Take so. it. Take the idea. It's a great idea. Yeah. Especially if you, it might be easy if you have Bluetooth, although I don't know if that links. But no. if you have an aux port, yeah. I have it. If I still have that, if you have an SP and you want yeah. that little adapter, I've got it somewhere probably. Yeah. But uh, yeah, great friend. He helped me move out. And then I, I flew him back and, and he's doing it again. I'm moving huh. to Providence on the 30th, I think. Oh, wow. And well, I'm moving all my stuff out there. And I'm going to go visit family and stuff. But Mm-hmm. he's same thing I'm gonna fly him out he's gonna help me move fly him back maybe I'll yeah. dig it out dust it off yeah yeah it's, it, I did beat that game like it, it is a good enough game that even when he left and I had like nothing to do when I first moved to Philadelphia yeah. I sat and I did beat that game nice the thing that drives me crazy about those games that so Metroid and Castlevania is that they are both the games where if you miss the opportunity to like go get the one sword yeah. or power up you can't go back yeah and I just kind of hate that because some of those games I want to do 100% completion. If you don't know to look for that secret room yeah. by killing the guy and going back, then you, can't, like that. then you can't get that power up. And it's just, oh, it's infuriating. Yeah. Yeah. I want to be able to like realize that it's there once I have the power up and go back and get the yeah. thing. But oh, well. <laughs> yeah. No oh, problem. Well. Yeah. Thank you, Neil. We can close it out here. Play some ultimate. Sure. Yeah. Sounds good. Thanks yeah. for having me. It's I been know. a privilege. Thank you. That was amazing. Yeah. Thank you so much. Yeah. Yeah. Anytime. Anything. Oh, and what's your website? If people want to see your website. Uh, I think it's, I've got it up here. I don't check. It's nsnelson.com. Okay. And, uh, I made it first, um, to do industrial design stuff and then it became a collection of photography mm-hmm. and then it became my portfolio when I was applying yeah. to graduate schools. Yeah. So if you want to see what I look like, yeah. Some bad photography. There we go. Some cool tables. <laughs> and for some reason, my portfolio, if you're interested in getting into design school, yeah. apparently I was successful. 
God in a RISD, yeah, which is the dream, yeah, for me at least. Mm-hmm. So you can see all that stuff. All right, yeah. thank you, Neil. We're yeah. actually we do have to get off because you actually maxed out my time. Yes. All right, thank you, Neil. Thanks for coming on. It was but, amazing. Glad to I be. hope the move goes well. Bye. Love you guys. Bye.